It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's the Friday Press Box on the run home. Yes, it's 5.25 here on the run home. Time for the Press Box and joining us today alongside Mark Richardson is News Hub sport reporter Alex Chapman. Chappy, great to have you on as ever. Afternoon going well, I hope. Kimberly, how many times have you been congratulated on your new role today? <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Yes, look, there's been a few. The inbox uh, has been overflowing a wee bit, uh, but no, no, I appreciate that. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, it was out in the paper today that I'm uh, leaving, not SNZ, but leaving uh, my other job at TVNZ to head over to Sky uh, from February next year. So it's very exciting, although some some mixed feelings on it uh, because TVNZ have been wonderful to me and I have loved that place. So thank you, Chappie. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, now let's move on to more important things. Yeah, way more important things. Thank you. That was that was my moment. And now we'll <laughs> shift that aside. I think you're going to go over as the Chief Financial Officer. <laughs> uh, executive, actually, I think you'll find. <laughs> Sorry, only one role. Um, Black Caps. Black Caps team. Let's talk cricket first. Uh, should the selectors be using the South African Test Series precious few tests bear in mind in, on these shores over the summer uh, to blood a bit of new quick bowling talent. Chappie, I'll come to you on that one first. Oh God, I hit a rigger. Okay. Um, uh, I, I think we've seen with, with that ODI squad that was named earlier this week, uh, like Bangladesh, that that's kind of the, the direction they're looking to go in with the inclusion of um, Willow Rourke, formerly of the Cornwall Cricket Club, I must say as well. Um, <laughs> so, so getting someone like a Willow Rourke in there, and we know that there's somewhat depth concerns because we've gone from this plethora of talent within the test setup in particular, which at times was, what, seven, eight fast bowlers deep. Now, who comes in if one or two of them go down, for example? So the only difference, I suppose, nowadays is that there aren't as many banging down the door, and that, that was a real luxury for New Zealand cricket and black cap selectors to have for such a long period of time, that it was kind of a, who do we rest, as opposed to a, who do we pick? So, we'll have to probably try a couple and see who lands. I'd love to see someone like a Jacob Duffy given a crack, because he has toiled at domestic cricket for so long. And then I think someone, you know, if you want a left-arm option to replace Bolt, then you bring someone like a Ben Lister in, who does deserve a crack in red ball cricket, because as far as I'm concerned, he's actually been a far better long-form bowler than he is a white ball bowler, and that's the only chances he's had so far for New Zealand. And then the big thing going forward is Kyle Jameson getting regular game time, regularly being on the park. He's going to be the leader of that attack once this next generation kind of phases out, and he's played less than 20 tests since he made his debut, so for him to stay on the park is going to be 
really key and a matter of who do you build around him as well, I think. And Rig, I'll come to you on that same note because I am just conscious, and this is the thing about rebuilds, right? Like it's 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 a hard one because obviously players need time uh, and they need exposure, but also when you've got such limited tests on offer in the home summer, I I just want to see the best guys out there. So Rig, where do you stand on this? Yeah, well, first of all, Alex made some really good points with the exception of being positive about Cornwall Cricket Club. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, see, I'm, I'm split here. We we do need to give some new blood a decent go at the test level. I am I sit on the fence a little bit when it comes to is it, we, we seem to be quite comfortable giving guys a go at limited overs cricket. Mm. Uh, yeah, you get, a, you get a look at how they go internationally, but... Ideally, you want to pick people from Plunkett Shield, four-day competition, the longer game, and take them from that and put them into test cricket and see how they go. But when it comes to the fact that South Africa arrive on the shores under strength, taking taking the mickey a little bit out of New Zealand, we're, I know we're not playing well, but we were the test champions. Mm. I find it to be a little bit disrespectful. Therefore, I want to see the best team that we can field on the park, and I want to see us stuff them mm. and then and then send them home and say, don't do that again. So a little bit split there, but I do I do like Duffy as well. He's he's one that comes to mind. I, I like the way that he can swing the ball. He's quick enough. He's been around a bit. There's something about him, and I would quite like to see him uh, have have a decent go in a test match. So that was that was a good name to pull out there, Alex. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate that. Uh, I thought the other thing about Duffy is like I, I was bamboozled almost last season when. Blair Tickner, and don't get me wrong, Blair Tickner's a fantastic bowler and also deserved his chance, but like, why Blair Tickner got picked ahead of Jacob Duffy, someone who has, you, know, you remember when Jacob Duffy debuted as a 17-year-old for Otago, it was raw pace and bounce, and it's kind of pulled that back, refined that, he's got that beautiful outswinger now, and mm. yeah, he's not bowling as quick as what he was, but he's still such a good bowler, I mean, he's still, he's a big lad, he's tall, he's strong, him him on a green-seeming haggly over wicket would be fantastic. Because we did, you, you saw that beautiful outswinger in India, and it was just swinging into the middle of Sharma's bat. Mm. That's not the place <laughs> to bowl nice, pretty outswingers. <laughs> but you're right. First day at Hagley is the place to bowl pretty outswingers. I think both yeah. of you have just, in the course of this conversation, convinced yourself to go slightly to one side of the fence at least. So I will take that for now. Uh, when it comes to the batting, where for you, we'll start with you this time, Rig, is Devin Conway's ideal test batting position? Four. Four? Three or four. Okay, so who have you got? Run me through your top four. Well, I've got, I got uh, who's who's the bloke who's unfortunately better than me. Um, no one's Latham. better than you, Rick. Latham. No one's better yeah, than you. Quite substantially nowadays. <laughs> uh, I got I got Latham there. I'm still searching for that other opener. Okay. And then and then I, it's and then where Kane. do you want where do, Kane? Where would you like to bat? Yeah. And then uh, if Kane says four, but he'll probably say three. So it's if if Kane wants to bat four, Conway bats three. If Kane wants to bat three, Conway bats four. Fair play. What about for you, Chappie? I think it's a better question of not what Devin Conway's position, but what needs to happen to get Ratch and Ravindra in the team. And if getting Ratch and Ravindra in the team is him opening, which he's shown at domestic level and now at international level that he is an opener, then it means moving Devin Conway down to four. I haven't been. Has, has he been opening though? Has he has he been opening in the four day cricket it, for Wellington? 
Ooh, good question. Uh, probably not as consistently, but I think he's he's shown that he has the capabilities to open. Yeah. Um, and and then the opportunities that he's had for New Zealand in the past, batting at seven, he has, just hasn't quite done that job. And I don't think he can really carry, as Glenn Phillips has shown in this recent series, he can't carry a specialist bat at seven. You need him to bring something with the ball as well. Yeah. So um, I wasn't as strong on this whole drop Henry Nicholl straight away thing because it's, it's rough to drop someone that had just scored a 200 in their previous knock and yeah i know he's dropped x amount of times and he was on his last chance and all the sort of thing that we always hear about henry nichols when he scores runs and then doesn't score runs and people want him to be dropped um but yeah i, I agree with rick i think he's a three or four and the, the other thing to look at as you look at um new zealand's overseas tours next year in particular it's to strong spin playing nations it's test in afghanistan then sri lanka then india i think and Devin conway has shown he's got really strong capabilities playing spin he's so strong with that reverse sweep in particular that him kind of a little bit lower at four might be a bit more fruitful for new zealand so we need an opener, don't we? So we need an opener. I, I, look, well, I'm not sold. I'm not sold on on Ravindra as an opener at Test match cricket yet. You can't bat like in a, in a Test um, like he did in the one dayers. I, I know baseball and all this sort of stuff, but no, I think it's that's a little bit wispy, let's say. But I do want him in the team because he gives you that that genuine bowling option in the top six. Would you begrudge it if, for the sake of experimenting, like we've talked about, you know, whether we need a blood new bowling talent against South Africa? Would you begrudge it necessarily if they experimented him a, well, and gave him a gave him a crack? In the in the existence of no one else screaming out and mm. bouting the door down, and you want to move Conway down the list, mm. why not? Or do we still sit in that place of fear that if you expose these guys in that sort of position too early, then you do them more harm than good, I guess is the other part of it. Ah, not when they're kids. Just as long as you don't let them fail for too long. Fair play. And he's got the confidence to have a couple of bad knocks and get through that, you would think. Uh, right, let's move on to rugby, shall we? Uh, New Zealand rugby says it is time to embrace the entertainment factor. And now, I think, make of that what you will. But two things for you guys, uh, that you would add or subtract to make rugby a better viewing product. Now, I'm just going to go through that one more time just to kind of subtly allow you guys to have a think. Um, So time to embrace the entertainment factor. If we are taking that at face value and going, okay, so we're making changes to make the game a better viewing product, what are a couple of things that you would actually like to see either added or subtracted from the game. Chappie, you want to go first? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to dodge the question a little bit to start, though. Um, And I I think it's interesting that this has now been brought up publicly because, um, Kim, you and I, as as well as a whole lot of other media, spent some time with New Zealand rugby earlier this week, and that was a topic of conversation. Mm. And I had one New Zealand rugby um, staff member or executive, whatever you want to call them, um, asked me what the Warriors do so well that New Zealand rugby could take from them for their product. And honestly, I think it's, first of all, ask your fans. Like You need to engage with your fans. And some people will come back and say, oh, cheaper food, cheaper booze, cheaper tickets. That's not controllable, a lot of that, from New Zealand rugby's point of view. Game needs to speed up, though. And, and that's what fans are saying, is that it's too slow. So I think there needs to be little things to start, something like, uh, if you take a mark inside your own 22, rather than the whole game resetting for a restart, you have five seconds, for example, to play on. Like in the AFL, that when you take a mark, it's then, okay, you have five seconds, what's your decision? Are you going to drop punt? Are you going to do a handball? 
Are you going to do a short kick? Just to speed the game up a little bit. For a casual fan, and this is going to sound so repetitive, it's simplifying the laws. And it's making the game easy enough to understand that anyone who can flick on the TV or go to a game can watch and know exactly what's happening. Happens with football. Football you put on TV, you know what's happening. Even golf, you put it on, know what's happening. Even cricket sometimes, a lot of the time, if you have a vague understanding, you pretty much know what's happening. Rugby is so open to interpretation, and yet that can't be decided or changed from New Zealand rugby's point of view, but there just needs to be there needs to be more simplification around it. It needs to be a more spectacle-friendly sort of um, opportunity for New Zealand rugby going forward. That's how they need to view it. Here I was thinking you'd just come on and say subtract the TMO, chappy. Rick, what about you? Well, I, I, I guess you, you have said they could change something, and that's actually ask the stakeholders what they want, which is ask the public. <laughs> um, I'm... I'm I want to. I think a scourge on the game is scrum resets, and I don't like. I don't like the amount of games being settled by scrum penalties. So, so take the penalty out away from a scrum infringement. If you have won what would be a penalty nowadays through a dominant scrum, mm. you get a free kick. You won the ball, so you get you get to tap the ball and you get to run with it. And I, I was just thinking about something else that could encourage sides. And I hate it. I'm not saying this from a safety perspective. Because I hate that, that mm-hmm. all that complaint, we're going to make the game safer and, you know, no. It's a gladiatorial game. But maybe if you did lower the height of tackling, it, it frees the ball up for offloads. So it encourages you to actually want to run more because you're not going to get tied up. You're going to, Once you're in contact, you'll, you'll be free to then move the ball. Mm. One thing that I, that you know, that they have already put in place in a New Zealand domestic level, uh, and we see it in super as well, is, of course, the change around red cards. You can get a player red carded, yep, they're sent off for the rest of the game, but someone else can come on after 20 minutes. I think that has value on a, on a wider scale, which brings me to my next question for you both, because that is obviously something that remains local. So even if these sorts of changes are made in a New Zealand context... What would your confidence level be out of, say, 10 that World Rugby would then go ahead and implement any of them? World Rugby that is, uh, let's not forget, enamoured with the Northern Hemisphere game, Rig. Yeah, I know what you mean. If if little old New Zealand, even though we're really dominant at the Mm. game, uh, I don't think they have any interest in allowing us to feel like we we have a big vote at the table because we maybe questionably don't deliver the coin. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we can lobby, but it, yeah, I, I feel like you know we are, we're a, a, a we're a, we're a race car of a nation, treated like a squeaky wheel. That is a very good analogy, Chappie. What about for you? Do you think, regardless of whether New Zealand rugby looked to make changes that potentially benefited the game, made it more free flowing, made it faster, that world rugby would actually do anything about it? That is a hot analogy. That's a first slip, back of the hand kind of clap analogy. Um, yeah, it, it, it comes back to if it's financially viable, right? And we've seen that with World Rugby and the Northern Hemisphere's um, discussions around and hesitations around red cards. And yeah, that did speed up the game in, in the Southern Hemisphere. There was really good feedback about it. But then when it came push came time for the push or the shovel of the matter. But rugby, just listen to the Northern Hemisphere teams because that's where the money is. And it's almost this never-ending cycle of, right, who brings in the most revenue? You do. Okay, so you have the biggest slice of the pie. 
And as squeaky as that wheel might be, at the end of the day, there are bigger race cars which are just going around making far more noise. Mm. And, I mean, world rugby is not the only one with this problem. We see that in other sports as well. But, <sighs> oh, look, I'd love to say I had the answers. I'd love to say you two had the answers. Maybe together we can... Uh, we can but save you, but the you game. look at some of those games that we've had against South Africa, and they have been right mm. entertaining ding dong battles mm-hmm. with a scoreline of six three. Yep. So it's Absolutely. not just about points generation. It's it's just how the two sides go about the contest. Yep, 100%. Uh, let's move on now to another topic of, topic of interest from the week, and that is the Commonwealth Games. News earlier in the week that the Gold Coast was now dropping uh, its potential save face for Australia uh, bid to host the next Games after Victoria dropped out originally. I mean, at this point, Chappie, now you were part of the News Hub team to cover the last and what may, well, for all we know, end up being the last Commonwealth Games. Uh, do we just need to flush the dunny here on the Colm Games and move on? Uh, that's a shame. Cause, like, I enjoy the Commonwealth Games, mm. not just like from a, from a work perspective, but a viewing perspective. And they have a real purpose with a lot of, in particular, sports that New Zealanders play. Um, and it's exposure to larger events for... For those that then go on to, on to an Olympic level, you look at someone um, like Elise Andrews, for example. Elise did very well in the care in, in Tokyo, then made it, you know, arguably a bigger name for herself by winning three gold medals in Birmingham next year and now goes into the Olympics next year with a lot of New Zealanders knowing who she is and understanding what she can do uh, in a velodrome. Birmingham showed last year as well how it can be done. Use facilities which are already built, and I don't just mean in terms of sporting arenas, but accommodation as well like there were, there were countries staying at university hostels because it meant that it was cheaper for, for the host city and if it also means going into a wider area for access to facilities such as last year in Birmingham they obviously don't have a velodrome so they went to London which is two and a half hours away mm. which, which was a velodrome used from London 2012 so it's just being a bit smart with that kind of wider scope and we had that with Gold Coast 2018 you went up to the Anamir's velodrome, velodrome in Brisbane to for the cycling as well. So it's, it's a very long way of me saying I actually don't know what the future of the Commonwealth Games looks like. But the the way that New Zealand and the NZOC were looking at it, of pitching it as an entire country, I think is a more sustainable model going forward. Rig, for you, do we need to get into those models or is it time to just say it's had its day in the sun, let's move? No, it's a celebration of sport and it's an opportunity for some of those minor sports to to take you know, front and centre stage mm. as well and for us to get in behind them. And I think we've got to stop benchmarking it against the Olympics, the yeah. Olympics, the Olympics. It's just its own international sporting event and and just allow countries to, to, to host something that works for them financially and, and the standard will always be fantastic. It's just not going to be world champs and it's not going to be Olympics, but it's, it's a sport, a celebration of sport that we all can enjoy, make it work. Maybe you should open up the uh, the estate for that, Rig. I could see it happening. Alex Chapman from News Hub Sport, Mark Richardson there on our press box panel today. Thank you both so much for your time. You're listening to The Run Home. Thanks to MG Motor NZ, the all-new MG4 Electric X-Power, launching soon.